Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. So my first question is, why in the hell don't the Rams have indoor plumbing? This is the Press Box. You're not at a great point in your life when you have to take a dump in a porta potty, right? True. That's not a great day for you. With Grady and Bischoff. Shove it in. Someone from the Hard Knocks who took a dump in the porta potty. <laughs> like, they immediately blame the media. Like, we get blamed for everything. It's fine to blame us for, like, if you want, we think we're negative. But we got to draw the line that we're taking the dumps in the porta potty. No. At that point, I draw the line. That's an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> <laughs> They've won a Super Bowl since they uh, yeah, installed they did, indoor since plumbing. They, since they uh, accused the media of doing that kind of stuff. Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Tyler, what's up, man? Is that the key to winning the Super Bowl is have porta-potties that everybody has to take a dump in? Uh, or you're not yeah. allowed to take a dump in, I guess? Well, not the media. I mean, they, they keep us away <laughs> from things like that. Remember, they were blaming the media back then. Where do you go to the bathroom at the Raiders practice facility? Oh, God. This oh, is this the is, topic is, that we this, want. Is this the first right? Uh, Good morning. It's 7 a.m. Where does Ed Graney go to the bathroom? Do they have porta potties or do they have actual no, bathrooms? No, I will say that they uh, are in 2022. And um, <laughs> in the media room, there are uh, a few washrooms. Uh, washrooms? Uh, yes, washrooms. So You've been hanging out with uh, some Canadian yeah. or yeah, Exactly. So there are two in there. And, uh, you know. Uh, what are you? You just do? can't go in the ice box thing when you're outside in August. No, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, I was at UNLV football yesterday. They have, they have one of those ice things that you sit in after practice. Are you allowed in that one? Uh, it didn't appear so. Oh. Um, I didn't try. Uh, why would I? Uh, is Doug Brumfield allowed in that one? Well, he's earning back the trust. Is that where he went for the transfer portal? Did he walk <laughs> he in there? Sat in the ice bucket. He just sat in the ice bucket and froze for a few days. Uh, no, it appears uh, he chose not to do that yesterday. He had to talk to the media yesterday. He didn't have time for the ice bucket. He had to talk to the media. Brumfield talked to the media? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Oh, that's surprising. Andy story the paper went, this morning. UNLV went like a whole year without their quarterbacks talking to the media, so I am kind of shocked they let Doug Brumfield talk to yeah. the media. Yeah, he was good. Um, said he's got to earn back the trust, and uh, some there's some miscommunications, but uh, he's back, and uh, he was at practice yesterday, and you know Marcus Arroyo said the same thing. There needs to be some trust gained back, but uh, moving forward, it's going to be fun when he like leads them to their biggest win of the season, and we're like, remember when he was in the transfer portal for eight days? Yeah. <laughs> the first bite. The first bite is brought to you by the Unnecessary Roughness podcast on Raider Nation Radio 920. Who starts in goal for the Golden Knights on Sunday? I'm absolutely convinced and completely positive it is Logan Thompson. Why are you positively convinced after you were convinced convinced. last game that it was going to be him? I'm more convinced this time. Came in, (laughs) beat Washington. Huge game on Sunday. Um, you know, there was a reason. I, I can't believe you're going to pull Leonard after the first period and then start him the next one because he had his chance, as Pete DeBoer said, or according to Pete DeBoer, to give a little bounce back there. He obviously didn't bounce back. He got pulled. So I'm going to say Logan Thompson. Who do you say? I don't have any idea because I you still go back to the last game and the the – the thing we talked about this in, this entire last couple of days and the thing we have not figured out yet is who the hell makes the decision on who is starting a goal. And if I knew that, 
then maybe we could have a better idea of figuring this out. But I honestly do not know who has the final say. I mean, I guess Pete DeBoer probably has the final say. I think he has the final say. But I don't know whose voice is the most important when it comes to starting the goalie. Because we talked about that comment from Pete DeBoer about Robin Leonard gets paid to play these games, which sounds like a front office type of comment, which sounds like the front office had some hand in deciding who started in goal last game. And even though I can't figure out the logical reason why, I can't figure out why they would have wanted Robin Leonard to have started that last game when Logan Thompson gives him the best chance to win. Somebody in that organization wanted Robin Leonard to start the last game, uh, but it doesn't appear to have been Pete DeBoer. And I would guess with you that it's Logan Thompson. It would make sense that it's Logan Thompson, but they haven't done a whole lot that makes sense over the last few weeks with their goaltender position. Yeah, I, th I think it's Logan Thompson. I think Pete has the final say. I'm convinced of that. But like you said, I think there's probably a lot of cooks in the kitchen giving their opinion and how much weight he puts in those opinions. And I think it depends on who the opinion is from. Uh, that might have something to do with it. But I think Logan uh, starts on Sunday. San Jose is here. It's at uh, T-Mobile Arena. Um, and here we go again. They're in control of their own destiny. We've said that three or four times in the last month. Um, they went out. They're in. Uh, now they still have to play three on the road, which won't be easy. Uh, Dallas is the huge game on Tuesday night. They lost back-to-back -back games. They really hurt themselves for the second wild card. Yeah, what, what the hell are the Stars doing? I don't know. They, they go on that Western Canadian road trip, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, and they get swept in those three? They don't get a single point? Like, the Golden Knights just did this, and they got three points. And we were like, eh, that's probably not good enough. Meanwhile, Dallas is like, yeah, what if we just lose them all? What if we just give the Golden Like, the Kings aren't even a question anymore. We're not even talking about the Kings. No, exactly. Now can they catch the Stars. But here's the other thing. So do you want to catch the Stars that badly? Because if you catch the Stars, you play the Colorado Avalanche in the first round. Do you want that? As comparative as not making it? Yeah, basically. No, you want to go to the playoffs. They beat them. They beat Colorado last year. I mean, I know it's Colorado. I know they're the best team, you know, um, other than maybe Florida. But no, you, you want to go to the playoffs. Why wouldn't you want to go to the playoffs? Okay, let, let me let me look let me I mean, help you look at it from worst case scenario. If this team misses the playoffs this season. The excuses will be about injuries, right? That injuries kept them from getting into the postseason. And, well, that's not the entire story. It's probably the number one reason. That's a pretty easy thing to write off. If this team gets into the postseason, and we have seen that they are pretty close to, I shouldn't say healthy, but available. Their players are pretty close to being 100% available. Riley Smith is the only significant one, and he might be back anyway. Well, he'll be back when the playoffs the start. <laughs> so if this team gets into the postseason and they've got a lineup that is over the salary cap on the ice for the first round and they lose in, let's say, five games of the Colorado Avalanche, isn't that a worse look than simply missing the playoffs? I don't think so. I think really? you, I think you want to make the playoffs. They beat last year and Colorado was the favorite. I think that's a worse look. If you, if oh, you I don't no, think so. no, no, you got got to go down the worst case scenario path. Obviously, if they beat Colorado, it's great. But I'm saying if this team is 15 million or whatever the number is over the salary cap, they've got that lineup on the ice, and they lose to Colorado in five. You're you can't use the injury excuse because guess what? You had your lineup. You had an illegal lineup. 
on the ice and you couldn't beat Colorado. You couldn't even be competitive if you lose in five. That to me is way worse than missing the playoffs because if you miss the playoffs, you've got the built-in excuse. I think you always want to make the playoffs and take your shot, especially in hockey. I think you always want weird things happen in hockey all the time in the playoffs. That's why the whole cliche about, you know, hockey playoffs and crazy things happen. I'd always want to make the playoffs and take a shot. And then if you have that team on the ice and you lose in five, I don't know what the reasoning would be, you know, coming from you. Um, It would probably be, well, they were hurt all year. They didn't have time to like, you know, I'm not saying this is true, but I'm trying to look for the reasoning of what they would say. They didn't have time to assimilate chemistry, all the things, all the cliche words you hear when you lose and you haven't had people for the whole year. That's probably what they would say. But I'd always want to make the playoffs. I know they would want to make the playoffs. And again, I think Colorado was better last year, and they and they beat Colorado. Was it six or seven? Six. Six last. I think year, they yeah. beat Colorado in six last year. Um, I'd always want to take my shot, and then worry about explaining it afterwards. I think they are more likely to be fired if they lose if they make the playoffs and lose in the first round than if they miss the playoffs entirely. And by they, I mean McCrimmon, McPhee, and honestly Pete DeBoer. I think all three of them. Oh, I don't think they, DeBoer's getting. I think DeBoer. I've said it before. I think DeBoer. Now this whole goalie situation has been bizarre, <laughs> but I think DeBoer's done a really good job. I, I think I think he's done a really good job. That that is to have that many guys out. And if he makes the playoffs, I think that would be absolutely silly. That'd be that would be completely crazy. Now, I'm not saying that the guys above him wouldn't be in trouble. Specifically, one, um, the GM, but I think Pete DeBoer comes back. Well, I think the he problem, should. I don't even think the, there should be a question. The problem for DeBoer in that scenario is if you fire the GM or the GMs, why do they want Pete DeBoer? Like if you bring in a GM, what's to st- why wouldn't the GM come in and say, "All right, this guy didn't get you a Stanley Cup. I got a guy, and he brings in his own coach." I, know. I mean, I think McPhee is. I think Foley loves McPhee, and there would be a reasoning to go to the GM if, in fact, all of this happened. And again, we're saying a million things that are going to happen here. We don't know what's going to happen, um, but I think he loves McPhee, and McPhee would stay and perhaps name the next guy. But look, I still think McPhee's in charge of this team anyway. I, th- I think, you know, you have McCrimmon. One of the reasons, you know, he probably didn't want to stay on the GM is he doesn't like to talk to the media. He actually said that at the press conference. Well, now I don't have to talk to You know, I don't think that's the only reason they named a GM, but it might have been part of it. So I don't know how much juice McCrimmon would have with him. Um, I'll go back to DeBoer, though. I don't think, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's any question he's back. Well, if you fire the GM, I think he could be gone. But three days ago, I would have said to you, none of the three are getting fired. Not DeBoer, not Mc, not McPhee or McCrimmon. Uh, three days ago, I would have said all all three of those guys are coming back. That's they're gonna. It, it was injuries, whatever. They're gonna write this year off. But that goalie decision in the last game makes me think that somebody's afraid for their job. Like that goalie decision makes me look around and say, oh, somebody thinks their job is on the line because starting Robin Leonard was not in the best interest of this year's team winning and this year's team making the playoffs. It's it's clear Logan Thompson gives them the best chance to win. There was something about that decision, something about starting Robin Leonard that had to do with outside of winning that game, outside of making the postseason. We have not figured out what it is because I cannot figure out a logical reason, but that made me like look around and say, does somebody think they're getting fired? And somehow starting Robin Leonard was a way to save that. That's so I think three days ago I would have said nobody, but now if they miss the playoffs, I, I think there's a much more legitimate chance somebody gets fired than I thought three days ago. 
I think somebody, I just don't think, and I don't think it should be Pete DeBoer. I don't, I don't think it should be him. Um, now, maybe someone above him, maybe the special teams coach. Um, you know, maybe that's one of the conversations they have with them at the end of the year. If it goes bad or they don't make the playoffs or they're losing four or five to Colorado, maybe that's a conversation they have about who the, who's on the staff. I just think that DeBoer's back, and I think he should be. If they, if Bill Foley walks in and is like, this season wasn't good enough, I know we've got excuses, but this season wasn't good enough, and says that basically to George McPhee and says, what are we going to do? George McPhee throws Pete DeBoer under the bus, right? Like, if Bill Foley demands a change, George McPhee's not firing himself, and he's not firing Kelly McCrimmon. He's going to fire Pete DeBoer. Yeah, we're going to disagree on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do another uh, Donchick uh, Simmons bet with you on uh, who, who, who goes, and I would, take, I would say DeBoer has no chance of going. Zero. No chance at all. Zero. Like, even if they fire McPhee and McCrimmon and bring in a new GM, you See, think that's, I, I mean, I'll stop you there because I just think Foley loves McPhee. I think he, he, I, I, I think he trusts him. Are you I now think, arguing I, I for think, my side of this bet? No, I, no I, I don't, I'm not saying no one's going. I'm just saying I don't think it would be McPhee or DeBoer. Okay, so, you, so you're saying it's Kelly. If somebody's going, it's Kelly McCrimmon. I think if you're asking me the three to, to handicap the three, I would, I'd make him the favorite. If you're, if you're asking me, I really don't think for, I really don't think what you said three days ago, I don't think anyone's going. I think the injuries are going to play a huge part, no matter who the goalie is and that decision. I really think when push comes to shove, they're going to say, we had all these injuries. It was historically bad for injuries. It was just a throwaway thing, you know, in terms of if they don't make the playoffs, if they make the playoffs and you say they lose in five, maybe they have more explaining to do, but if they don't make the playoffs, I think it's an easy explanation to Foley about the injuries. And he might already think that. That's the thing. Bill Foley might have already made the decision. Look, there's been too many injuries. Uh, if they make the playoffs, fine. If not, it's a throwaway. And you go on, you come back next year completely healthy. I don't think, think anyone's going. You think Bill Foley is the owner that's looking at the standings every night and is like, oh, Dallas lost. We control our own destiny again. He might be. I think he is. I, I think, think he is. The, I, think I think he's, he's the I one think holding on to hope. I think he's looking up money puck odds for how likely they are to make the Now, I don't know if he knows anything about money no, puck. He, he he's is. got a guy who's Yeah, he might up. have a guy that gives him the percentages. I don't know if he's getting on his computer no, and saying moneypuck.com. He's got it bookmarked on his phone, no. so every morning he just rolls over and hits refresh and sees, ooh, we're up to 28% or whatever it is. What are what are they at after that Dallas loss? 32.8% to I'm make surprised the playoffs. They're not, I'm surprised they're not larger. They went they out, gotta, they're in. But now, they're bad. They don't, they don't, they're not going to win out. Eh, they could. We'll see how motivated. I mean, Dallas will be very, very motivated. Obviously, that, that game's probably going to decide it. We'll see how motivated the Blackhawks and even the Blues. If the Blues have locked up their spot and their, and their positioning, we'll see how motivated they are the last game of the season. Especially the if the Knights it. are playing for a playoff spot and you're asking who's going to be more motivated that game and who's going to be bringing it more in that game. We'll see. I mean, if I'm St. Louis and I've locked up my spot, it's like, all right, the Golden Knights, whatever. They'll probably lose if they're more motivated. Well, that could happen too. <laughs> probably will happen. They'll have their own desk. They'll control their own destiny. Beat St. Louis, who's playing for nothing, and you're in, and they'll lose to St. Louis six to one. <laughs> That's what's going to happen? Goalie's going to get pulled in the first quarter or first period again, no doubt about it. Coming up next. The Memphis Grizzlies. What a comeback. And the Minnesota Timberwolves blew it. Four shots for you. Just what did you see out there and why did it why was it so hard Next for you question. to get involved? 
Uh, do you have to be better with the foul trouble uh, and staying out of foul, or how did you feel that that part of it go? Just uh, try my best. Try my best to impact the game. Go home, drink some wine, move on to the next day. I mean, that's really simple. Just uh, decompress. Um, decompress. I'm doing it right now while we're talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Who was that that's drinking more wine than he took shots? Carl Anthony Towns. Oh. Ah, Carl Anthony Cat. Towns. Oh, boy. Here's your, here's your combined points from Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards by game in this series with the Grizzlies. Game one. They combined for 65 points. Game two, 35. Game three last night, 27 combined points from Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. They have not been very good since game one. They haven't been very good at all, but I wanted to ask you this because I think this is an an improbable uh, stat, almost impossible in the NBA. Memphis went on a 21-0 run. It's almost impossible. Like That's like a video game. My kid playing 2K. And just goes on a 21-0 run with Steph Curry hitting every shot. Yes. Uh, that game featured... Memphis got down by 27 yeah. at one point. Yeah. Uh, went on a 21-0 run to tie the game at 83. Uh, so Minnesota in four quarters. They scored over 30 in the first and third quarters last night. They scored exactly 12 points in both the second and That's the fourth quarter insane. last night. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. How can that happen? They got off to such a good start, and then Memphis found a way back in. They were within single digits at halftime, and then they got off to such a great start just in the second half that it took a 21 nothing run just for Memphis to, just tie, to tie the game. And you'd think coming all the way back, um, we're a little tired. We've, we've been spent. It's like, no, they go on and win the game. Yeah. Just and and yeah, and won the game by uh, nine points. Like that, it wasn't even close in the final 60 seconds. That was a, I think Charles Barkley said it. He was like, can we even call that a choke? Because they lost by nine. Anyone gluing themselves anywhere? I, I have not seen another protester. And this game was in Minnesota. So you yeah. would feel like that group would be all over it. So I did not see it, um, which is a little disappointing because we need to see, somebody needs to take Jared's idea and try to handcuff themselves to, to John, John Morant. Morant. And be like, yeah, we get rid of me now. You're gonna have to get rid of John Morant too. Um, the by the way, speaking of John Morant, he didn't really do much. I mean, he had 16 points, but he was five of 18 shooting. Yeah. Like the Grizzlies, they had a really good record when John Morant was out this year, and he missed quite a bit of time, especially down the stretch there. But Desmond Bain at 26, Brandon Clark came off the bench and had 20. Like Brandon Clark's a has, San Jose State kid. Yes, left San Jose State for Gonzaga, but yes, he does count. Um, like this team has legitimately good players that are not named John Moran. Right. And that's how they got that's how they got the two seed in the regular season. Um, the sort of general consensus has been it's not going to work as well in the postseason. The the depth that helps you in the regular season is not as important in the postseason if you stay healthy. So I'm fascinated to see. Obviously, they're just playing a seven seed at the moment, even though they're a pretty good Minnesota team. I'm fascinated to see next round. Like, does does that catch up to them, or are they still able to win games because they've got good depth? Because Brandon Clark can go for twenty off the bench for them. I mean, I if they play Golden State, they could be really, really good and lose the way Golden State's playing. I mean, you know, Brandon Clark and Desmond Bain and all those guys could be great, and the way Golden State's playing, it might not matter. 
was watching last night and uh, told my son if they play this way, they could win it all. I mean, they how, they are really good right now. How did they just find? I mean, another Splash Brother in Jordan Poole. Yeah. How'd they just find a guy? I mean, I mean this th- guy's th- elevated himself. He averaged like 18 during the season, but man, he's elevated himself. Did you see this stat? I thought this was from ESPN stats. 43% of the Warriors shots have been uncontested. Oh my God. I'd probably want to contest Curry. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds Curry, crazy. Forget about Steph Curry. You've got to guard Jordan, Jordan Poole. Poole. <laughs> I am, I am genuinely, I am stunned that the Warriors and they drafted him like, I don't know, 28th, 29th, something like that that they just found another guy that they can run the same plays they've been running for Curry and Klay Thompson. Like the first play of the game last night, Draymond Green has the ball on the high post and they just run Jordan Poole off a screen. He catches a pass from Draymond Green, catch and shoot, knocks down the three. It's like that's a play they run for Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and they just found another guy that they can do that with. And then his second basket of the game, was him driving to the rim, getting fouled, and finishing the layup. Like, Jordan Poole is basically doing exactly what Steph Curry has been doing for like seven years at Golden State. I wonder if he's actually I, this good or he's just found something for these games. I I mean, he was good know. pretty much the entire Yeah, he averaged season. almost 20. Yeah. It's like, not like he's averaging 10 and all of a sudden he's scoring 27 in the playoffs. It is, it's incredible, incredible that they found this, that they just found another guy that they can do the same exact things they do with Curry and Thompson. Because the the Warriors, one of the best runs in NBA history was their run of titles with the one loss to LeBron mixed in there, right? And the reason was because of the shot making of Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, right? Those two could make such ridiculous shots that all their ball movement, all their player movement, it was unstoppable because those two could knock down ridiculous shots that even if you played good defense, it didn't matter. And they just found a third guy that they can do that with. That's that's ridiculous. If he, I mean, if he keeps this up, they're winning the title. Yeah. Oh yeah. If these three guys continue to score like this, with Draymond and others, they're going to win it all. Especially look, if Devin Booker is out for an extended period of time, they're saying a grade one strain. Uh, yeah, they 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 would get out of the West if they keep playing like this. All right. Coming up next, Ben Brown joins the show. The Press Box Path to the Draft here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM is brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. Good morning, Ben. How are Hi, you? Hi, Ben. I'm doing well, guys. I'm doing well. Looking forward to, you know, one week from yesterday, we're going to have the draft. So uh, it's exciting times in the NFL. All right. Forget about the draft. We're talking about real players in the NFL. If I gave you... You're in charge of setting the odds. Kyler Murray plays for the Arizona Cardinals next year. What's the price on yes? I'm going to say probably like minus 1,500 right now. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty heavy favorite. It seems like, uh, I don't know, his mentality has shifted a little bit uh, in the Twitterverse and everything else. It does seem like he's trying to squelch any uh, rumors about any sort of dysfunction with the Cardinals. So uh, I think that's a pretty good sign. I do think he's going to be playing for the Cardinals here next year. So minus 1,500. Minus 2,000, I think, is probably a pretty decent Jeez. price. That's a favorite. The heavy favorite. My heavy goodness. Favorite, uh, what would, let, me, let me ask you it this way. If you were to put odds on it, who his next team is and forget about the Cardinals for a second, if he did, in fact, get traded, if he demanded it, if the Cardinals decided, eh, we don't want to pay him, whatever, who would trade for him right now? Because we've kind of hit a point in the quarterback carousel that there aren't a ton of teams that need a quarterback. 
Yeah, I do still think it would be a team like the uh, New Orleans Saints. I do think he would probably be a pretty interesting fit uh, for them offensively. Uh, you know, obviously they have Jameis Winston back in the fold, but I still think, uh, you know, long-term Kyler Murray would be a pretty drastic upgrade over uh, Jameis Winston. So that's probably a team I'd be looking for. Uh, you know, everybody's basically linking the, the Panthers to every available quarterback at this point <laughs> in time. So maybe that makes some sense as well, but I do think it would probably be the Saints uh, more so than anybody else. Odds Baker Mayfield is traded during the draft. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be fairly low. Um, I, I, you know, I thought it would happen here recently since it hasn't happened. I do think it's probably going to push out here uh, a lot longer than people expected. So I'd probably put it. He is traded uh, during the draft. I'd probably put it right around plus three hundred. I would think is uh, is uh, the price that I would probably you know maybe be interesting considering a bet on. But outside of that. I don't think it's overly likely that we see him traded on draft day. I think we're probably going to have to wait till June, July time frame. Would the Browns, if they traded Baker Mayfield during the draft, would that be them making a trade to get more assets in the draft, or would they have to give up more assets in the draft to get rid of him? Yeah, I think they're going to honestly, it seems like how the situation's playing out, they're going to have to do a little bit of, of a pick-dump sort of situation. Um, we've seen it you know, just a couple times. Uh, historically in the NFL, but I think they'd probably have to give up, you know, some sort of, you know, not high draft pick by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, a third or fourth round pick uh, in order to kind of move on from that particular contract. So I see that's probably, you know, the reason why they're waiting. There's not really a huge benefit to them uh, dealing or playing that game right now. So that's why I think he's probably uh, very unlikely to go here uh, during the NFL draft. And uh, we kind of wait until we get some more, you know, Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, suspension information that really needs to come up before they probably make a play uh, and, and in order to move on from Baker Mayfield, I would say. Is this going to be a continuation now of players on the rookie deals uh, threatening holdouts and wanting money with these wide receivers, all of them doing this? Um, and yeah. and what, what, is the, what is the answer to this? Yeah, it's, it's bad, right? I mean, I, you know, the Christian Kirk deal for Jacksonville this year uh, kind of upended the, you know, the wide receiver market. And I do think, you know, guys look around, you know, especially players like Debo Samuel, who does take you know a lot of hits and a lot of uh, a lot of hits that are you know a lot harder to take and a lot harder on his body than what the typical wide receiver you know takes in any given year. So uh, you know those guys holding out when they are dynamic playmakers, that's kind of you know the one leverage that they actually have. And I do think it's going to be you know a somewhat popular thing. And I do think that you know when heading into the NFL draft, uh, that's a reason why we're going to see probably a lot more of these wide receivers. Uh, go in the back half of the first round because, you know, teams want the optionality to be able to, uh, you know, offer that fifth-year contract if they are a first-round draft pick. So uh, I do think it's going to change not only the dynamics of the NFL draft, but how these players actually approach uh, getting long-term contracts as well. And I do think it's going to be, you know, a more common occurrence every single offseason as we move forward here because I do think, you know, the wide receiver position is definitely, you know, the second most valuable position and, that's kind of shifted in a lot of ways. I do think that's going to, you know, kind of reset how how players actually handle uh, those sort of contract situations. Over at PFF, you guys write a lot about positional importance and, you know, which ones are more important than others. And, and a lot of times that comes up in the first round of the draft. Do you think we're going to see more NFL teams take that into account? Because like you said, you want a wide receiver late in the first round as opposed to early second round because you get that fifth-year option. Do you think more teams are going to say, okay, We'd rather have the wide receiver, the defensive end, the tackle that we can get the fit on than a safety or a linebacker. So let's take those in the first round, even if we don't think they're quite as good as that safety or linebacker that we could take. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think that's actually a really good question. And I, I agree 100%. My personal belief is that, you know, we may not see the progress that we want to see on a week to week basis within the NFL season, but I do think a lot of these teams are gravitating toward uh, a more efficient or sound approach to, to team building and team and player evaluation and those sorts of things. And I do think that is, you know, definitely the focal point and go- only going to be uh, more dramatic for teams that are actually able to take advantage of, you know, those positional value type aspects, uh, especially given the contract situations for veterans at those particular positions. So I definitely think that's the reason why we're going to see, you know, maybe the quarterbacks go over uh, their draft prop number, uh, you know, potentially have more quarterbacks drafted in the first round in order to be able to, you know, offer that fifth year option if they want to, but yeah, wide receivers, uh, the tackle position, kind of like you mentioned, and then, you know, edge edge rushers and cornerbacks, I do think, uh, kind of play into that as well. So I do think, you know, some of the linebackers, safeties, interior offensive linemen that a lot of people were really high on uh, early on in the draft process are probably going to not necessarily completely fall out of the first round, but uh, probably be an afterthought here, I would say, uh, as we kind of wrap up the first round. It doesn't sound like you're accepting of the idea that there won't be many quarterbacks chosen earlier or in the top ten. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was kind of, um, I was kind of on board with Malik Willis potentially being a top ten pick, but uh, it sounds like where everyone's at right now, uh, a lot of people, you know, the odds haven't shifted dramatically toward Kenny Pickett, but they have definitely moved in that direction. I don't really buy into Kenny Pickett as being, uh, you know, the top tier of this quarterback class. So I don't expect either either one to go in the top ten. Uh, given where we are now, I do think it's going to be a team like Pittsburgh maybe trading up to you know 12 or 13 or something like that that is actually going to be selecting that first quarterback. Uh, and, and if neither guy goes in the top 10, uh, it could be you know kind of dicey to see how the that latter half of the first round plays out at that particular position if teams do want to lock in that fifth-year option or if they kind of want to wait and hang on to that draft capital and potentially get a guy in the second round like Desmond Ritter or something like that. So I think that's kind of you know the the most pressing question uh, coming up in this draft class is how how do how do these teams approach uh, a relatively lackluster quarterback class this year? And um, you know, given what we talked about previously with the position value and everything else, uh, are teams gravitating in that direction? Or are they still going to be uh, you know willing to wait and you know deal with a guy that's a second round pick where they don't have that you know contract flexibility? Do you think? Sports books are better or worse at setting odds for the NFL draft compared to actual NFL games? I think they are worse, to be honest with you. And I do think that you see that play out quite a bit uh, in like the limits offered. Um, you know, like for me personally, like I, I have a really hard time getting down uh, any sort of decent amount of money on draft props given uh, the fact that they are limiting so much. So I do think that they are aware of the fact that it is such an information based market. Uh, things move so quickly based on insider-type knowledge uh, of, of where teams actually have certain players and stuff like that. So uh, it's a lot more difficult to handicap, and I do think we see that play out uh, and how the books approach it. So I definitely think it's a, you know, a much more difficult and vulnerable spot for books uh, to make money than it is you know, week in and week out in, in the game spreads totals and even the player props that they offer uh, in season. Is Trayvon Walker a smokescreen? I still believe he's a smokescreen. I might get ran over because of that take, but um, I do think he is kind of a smokescreen. I, he just the production has not been there whatsoever. So for him to go number one overall, uh, given you know the fact that he was playing on a historic type Georgia defense that has you know a number of first round potential players uh, on that particular defense, 
I think it's got to be a smoke skiing night. But it also, I think, speaks to the fact that there's just no clear-cut, blue-chip type player at the top of this draft. It is deep in a lot of positions, but uh, doesn't, doesn't necessarily have the top-end talent uh, that prior drafts have had. Do you feel good about betting on the USFL? I do feel good. I actually, so <laughs> the, the, I got some good numbers on uh, totals last week early on. How do you know they're good numbers? Because they moved in my, so they moved in my direction. <laughs> so I had a lot of 46 and a half, 45 and a half, and those sorts of things. And they all closed basically at 40, 41, 42. I went three and one on those bets. I do think that the only game that went over was the first game and they had two deep, two deep touchdowns early on in that game and still almost didn't get over uh, the number that I had gotten early on in the week. So uh, it's definitely an under, uh, an under league. And I do think that you can kind of approach it uh, in that way. And, you know, there's, there's decent quarterback play at, on certain teams and there's really bad quarterback play and really <laughs> bad uh, coaching uh, offensive and defensive schemes. So I do think there's definitely some spots to be able to take advantage of uh, some pretty inefficient lines from my perspective. Well, he is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. If you want some advice on betting on the USFL, probably seek some help, but uh, Ben Brown can help you out as well. Thanks, Ben. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. So there is Ben Brown on the NFL draft and, unfortunately, the USFL. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into some NFL because Baker Mayfield, let's make him a stealer. I think I've spoke on that um, several times now, so do not foresee that happening. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. I'm doing the show from home today, and my dog Ruby thinks we're under constant attack because of the wind. Oh, yeah, it's whipping. It's whipping. Yeah, she, she thinks our whole house is being struck by something, and we need to get out of here. She is not happy this morning. I'd um, like to carry this over to next week to the draft, but instead it's going to be 92. You want it to be this windy at the draft? Uh, this don't cool, a little cool. Not, don't not, have to like I just cancel it and move it indoors. It, just don't want it to be 92, and it's going to be 92. They were going to get blown out of their little walkway on the Bellagio Fountain. Yeah, they the won't water. realize that they're drunk. <laughs> no, I mean the players. Oh, well, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> draft a guy he gets blown over by the wind straight into the fountains that's what we want that's what we want i I wanted joe burrow to take a dip uh, when they were supposed to be here in 2020 just know he's uh gonna be the pick and just dive in that would have been beautiful can't believe i cannot believe that they um they they took away the boats on the bellagio fountain um by the way because i'm just now seeing this on sports center that uh that fight we talked about yesterday where the pitcher tackled the guy after he had a home run yeah he's a juco kid Okay, it wasn't high school. No, he's okay. he's a, he a junior college kid. Well, the, he's no longer on the junior college yeah. team. There was also a fight in a double A game last yeah. night between. You uh, see that? Yes, and there were actual punches thrown. Man, people getting in fights yeah. in baseball games. Oh, that guy's actually hurt. That was impressive baseball fights. Look at that—an actual fight happening. What percentage of of uh, fights are actually fights in sports? One percent. Like real, real, real fights. Like somebody gets punched. Like legitimately punched. Not like hockey. I'm gonna like right. just kind of throw my hands up and right. Like yeah, slap like slap you, you in the head. Somebody, yeah. Uh, like it's, it's less than one percent. Yeah, isn't it's it? not. It's not much at all. It's not much at all. That was one of them, though. Yeah, it was. that was and one well, of them all. 
That, and and we had a what is the percentage a pitcher goes game. and uh, <laughs> plays a middle linebacker and takes out some guy who just hit a home run against him? That's less than one percent. Is that pitcher going to get drafted in like the fifth round this uh, next? <laughs> yeah, weekend? the Angels are taking him. <laughs> All right, some NFL news. Um, the Steelers apparently would sign Baker Mayfield if he were to be cut by the Cleveland Browns. So the Browns have Baker Mayfield, but they also have Deshaun Watson. Baker Mayfield doesn't want to be there anymore. They have conceivably not been able to find a good trade to move on from Baker Mayfield. That is why he is still on the Browns roster. And there's the possibility that they end up cutting him because why, you know, take a loss on a trade when you could just cut him. But apparently the Steelers might jump in and sign him if he were cut. So do you think the Browns would refuse to cut Baker Mayfield if they knew that Pittsburgh would sign him? Would they just keep him on the roster, pay him, even if he doesn't show up, to keep him out of Pittsburgh? I mean, I know the whole rivalry and all of that, the incredible rivalry between them, but do you really want him around? With the it doesn't drama. have to be around. You can just tell him, go home. We're just not letting you go to the Steelers uh, this year. I mean, maybe there's that, but what if they get a great offer from Pittsburgh? See, I don't. I I, I would w- more think that that if they cut him and Pittsburgh signed him, that he'd be he'd be jacked up to do that. I am fascinated. I think he'd love to do that and try to come back and say, okay, I'll show you. I think if Pittsburgh offered him something. And like if Pitt, let's say let's just say Pittsburgh offered the best deal for Baker Mayfield. If they're like we can't get rid of him, nobody like the best offer we have is a sixth round pick, and Pittsburgh comes in and says we'll give you a fourth, fourth. for Baker Mayfield. I think you have to take it. I, I think you absolutely have to say, yep, we know we're sending him to a team we're going to play twice a year, but you have to take it because the other part of this is they they went and signed Deshaun Watson because well Deshaun Watson's good, but also because Baker Mayfield hasn't been good. Like this is there there's an element here of they don't believe in Baker Mayfield. So you should be okay with him going to a team you played twice a year cuz right, true. You, you might You won't care about him. it. Right. But I this is what I want to see because I want to see Baker Mayfield as a Steeler playing against the yes. Browns. That'd that be would the best be drama phenomenal. there is. Yeah. What a narrative like, if that's where he ended up. Right, like if he ended up in Carolina or something like that, I don't. They maybe nobody would care. Browns, but like, he's not going to play the Browns if he ends up in Pittsburgh. As long as he's in Pittsburgh, he's playing against the Browns yeah, twice, twice a year. year. That'd be great. It'd be phenomenal. So I, this is what I want to happen. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a trade. Uh, maybe I hope it's a he gets cut and signs there. But that would be phenomenal. And also, I think if you're Baker Mayfield at this point, I think that's what he would want too, right? Oh, I'm telling you, he would love to go there and try to prove them wrong. Yeah. Knowing that he played them twice a year, knowing that they took Deshaun Watson over him and gave him all that mon- all that money, I think, hell, I think Pittsburgh might be one of his first choices, if not his first choice, just for the yeah. fact that you know he gets to play them twice a year. Obviously, well, he's not going to Cincinnati. I mean, well, obviously, he's not going to Baltimore. I think that plus just the general idea that the other teams that want him or could conceivably want him they're going to suck this year. Like Carolina and Seattle are going to be bad. Right. So if, if if he goes to Pittsburgh, granted, they're probably the fourth, maybe third best team in that division, depending on how good Cleveland is next year. But he's not going to a guaranteed playoff team in Pittsburgh, but it's still significantly better than what Seattle's going to be next year and what Carolina's going to be next year. So I, I think he'd absolutely want to do that and should be 
I don't know, pushing for a trade there or pushing, hey, cut me because I'm going to Pittsburgh. Let's do it. And who's he got to beat out? Mitch Trubisky, right? That's who they signed? Yeah. They'd have Trubisky. Um, who else? Who's our Mason Rudolph? And okay, yeah, he's the starter. <laughs> oh. Send Baker to Pittsburgh. He's Baker? The starter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would that be the worst quarterback battle? Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, Baker Mayfield? Uh, I don't know who's in Carolina. <sighs> Sam I mean, Darnold and that guy from the Car- X, is, is that guy from the XFL XFL still? I mean, there? Sam Darnold. Um, let me see here. Well, it's going to be Sam Darnold and Kenny Pickett is going to be the quarterback battle in Carolina. Let's see. Right now, before anything is done, it's Sam Darnold and PJ Walker. Yes, the XFL guy. Yes, it is the XFL guy. So yeah. So it'll be Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis or somebody else that uh, they take in the draft that's starting for Carolina. I can't imagine. If you're Carolina, you have to draft a quarterback and start, yes. right? Like, there's no upside to starting Sam Darnold again. There, Listen, you might draft a terrible quarterback, and he might suck. Well, you can just get another quarterback next year right. when all the quarterbacks are good. But there's there's some upside to drafting. Like, if you draft, let's just say, Malik Willis, and he might be really good. You might find, you might stumble into a great quarterback. And... But we know Sam Darnold's not. Like we we are fully aware Sam Darnold's not. So they they have to draft a quarterback. Take one because you're really gonna start a season with Sam Darnold? That'd be ridiculous. I really want to know Deshaun Watson's suspension. Yeah, that'd probably be helpful for people to know. Yeah. Two games and the Browns are fine and going to the playoffs. Gonna win the division. Dude.